Good morning, everybody. How many are happy to be in the house of the Lord? Can you say amen? Amen. I I forgot to say that last week. I've been looking forward to saying that for more than a year now. But even those of you who are watching from home, your home has become the house of the Lord. Because the house of the Lord is wherever anyone turns their hearts toward Him. So, uh, the fact that we're going to be meeting live uh, starting next Sunday does not mean that we're going to in any way, shape, or form decrease our online presence. Yep. We will still have online services fully uh, hybrid, and so we're, we're really excited about that. I want to draw your attention to a passage of Scripture, the book of Ruth, chapter 1. Ruth, chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. I'm reading from the New King James Version, Ruth, chapter 1. Verses 16 and 17, this is what it says. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. The subject of my message this morning is don't flee the famine. Don't flee the famine. Father, I pray today that you'd speak to us mightily through your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, In the name of your son, Jesus, and it is in his name that we pray these things. Amen. Ruth. The book of Ruth starts with a man named Elimelech, who's married to a woman named Naomi. Elimelech means God is my king, and Naomi means pleasant. Names were important in ancient Israel. Names represented your belief system, your theology. Not just your belief system or your theology, but your philosophy. The way in which you approached the world and the way in which you experienced the world. This man, Elimelech, and his wife, Naomi, they were residents of Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And they lived this lifestyle. God is my king and life is pleasant. How many know that that's a great way to live? God is my king and life is pleasant. They were a wealthy family, they had land, they had houses, they had money, they had flocks, they had herds, they had servants, and they had a deep family. I mean, they were were of the tribe of Judah, and uh, Bethlehem was where the tribe of Judah hung out, and so there were a lot of cousins, there were aunts, there were uncles, there was nephews, there was grandparents, and there there were... Brothers and sisters, and they, had a, a, they were a deep family. But something happened. Uh, what happened at the time was a famine hit that land. Yeah. They had two sons also. And when famine hit that land, they decided to flee the famine. Now, in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, whenever somebody decides to flee a famine, something bad is getting ready to happen. 
You go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, and God tells Abraham to go to the land that he would give him as an inheritance, and as soon as he got there, the first thing that met him was a famine. And what did he do? He decided to flee the famine. And then he gets down to Egypt and realizes his wife is too fine, and somebody's going to try to kill him to take his wife. So then he starts lying and saying, she's my sister, and then Pharaoh tries to take her, and then God has to rescue him by giving Pharaoh a dream. I mean, it was all bad, and he finally, when God brought him out of there safely, he went straight back to the promised land, built an altar, and started calling on the name of the Lord. I narrowly escaped with my life because I decided to flee the famine. They were in the place that God wanted them to be, but they were run out of that place because of a famine. They were in the place that God desired for them to be, but suddenly the benefits of being in the will of God seemed to dry up. And so they feared starvation. You will flee the famine at the very place at which the benefits of your obedience to God dry up, and God doesn't seem to be concerned. You flee the famine when you lose faith in the fact that God is not going to allow you to starve to death. And the moment you start thinking, God is not going to do anything for me, I'm going to have to do something for myself, at that very place, the decision to flee the famine is born. And so Elimelech says to Naomi, I know God is my king, but God helps those who help themselves. A lot of people think that's in the Bible. It's not. I know God is my king, but if I don't take care of me, nobody's going to take care of me. That's not in the Bible either. I know that God is my king, but it's my responsibility to take care of this family, and I can't take care of my family in the midst of famine. We're going to have to leave the land of promise and go to another land, Moab is looking really good right now. The problem with Elimelech at that moment is that he could not even see the totality of the benefits of being in the place where God had called him to be. He could not see the lineage that he... Do you know who this man was? Do you know that he was of the line of King David? That this was during the... See, this was during the time of the judges, so David hadn't come yet. He didn't know that he was the direct descendant of the paradigmatic king of Israel, the great king of Israel. He was one of his grandfathers. He was one of his descendants, but he didn't know it. All he could see was the famine. He didn't even know that he was not only in the line of David, he was in the line of Jesus. He didn't know that he was living in the very place where the Messiah was going to be born. He didn't know that everything he needed was right here. In this moment, all of a sudden, the benefits of his obedience dried up. And he decided, it's time for us to flee the famine. The problem is, when you flee the famine, you find the plague. When you flee the famine, you find the plague. So they get to Moab. Elimelech, Naomi and their two sons, Malone and Killian. And their sons find wives, Naomi and Orpah. And everything seems to be okay. There's no famine here. There's food here. We brought our money. We brought our cattle. We brought our herds. Life is good. We're balling. We got a nice house. Business is booming. Elimelech's business is picking up. Everything looks great. Why? Now it seems like the God is my king 
and the pleasant lifestyle has returned to us. The only problem was what they found in the land of Moab was a plague. And the first thing the plague did was killed Elimelech. And then it killed Killian. And then it killed Malon. They were trying to escape starvation in the land of promise. And they ended up finding sickness in a foreign land. I'd rather die of starvation in the place of obedience than to die of sickness in the place of disobedience. I would rather die being obedient to God, staying in the place where he's called me to be, than to go off on my own and die of foolishness. See, it's okay to die. All of us are going to die someday. But I'd rather die being obedient than being disobedient. I'd rather die in the place of obedience than in the place of foolishness. They fled the famine, and they found the plague. And now Naomi looks around and says, all of our reasons for being here are gone. She says to her two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth, pack up your bags, pack up this house. We're going back to Judah. We're going back to Bethlehem. We're going back to my people. Let's go. Come on, pack up everything. And the, the girls, they pack up the house, and they get everything ready. They got no kids. Now they've got no husbands. Why? They're still bound to Naomi, though until she dismisses them. That's the way it worked in the ancient world. When you married into a family, you became the property of that family if you were a woman. They They couldn't just make a decision to leave. They were bound to Naomi unless she dismissed them. And at first she says, come with me, let's go. We're going to Bethlehem. And they pack up and they start to leave. And then Naomi stops and thinks, why would I take these two young ladies with me? They're still young enough to find husbands, but I can't give them a husband. They've got no reasons to remain with me. All of the benefits of their connection with me are gone. The money is dried up. The flocks and herds are gone. The servants are gone. The business is dead. Our property is gone. We're going back penniless. Why would I make them go with me? So she says, hold on a second. Ruth, Orpah, come here. I'm releasing the two of you from any obligation that you'd have towards me. You're released. Matter of fact, I'm not just releasing you and saying you can go if you want. I'm I'm counseling you to go back home to your families. Go back home to your mama, to your daddy, and tell them it didn't work out over there. Now help me find another husband. You guys are young enough to find other husbands, to get married, to have kids. You guys got your whole lives ahead of you. Why would I take you back? And I think she noticed some things. She saw these two young ladies. They were Moabites. They worshiped the Moabite gods. They probably packed up their gods to bring with her back to Beth. And and Naomi probably realized this isn't going to work out. Because if you come back to my people, there's some stuff you got to leave behind. If you come to be a part of my, you cannot worship foreign gods in Bethlehem. If you go to Bethlehem, there's only one God. You're going to have to leave all that stuff behind. I better just let y'all go. Because you can't come with me with the stuff you're trying to bring. And at this moment, all of the reasons and all of the obligations were stripped away. Now there was just a pure choice. And Orpah at first protested, no. I can't leave you. I love you too much. She goes, it's really okay. You can go. And she goes, I right, then peace. 
<laughs> like, <laughs> what was it, the Titanic? I'll never let go, Jack. I'll never let go. <laughs> and then she left. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was one of those, you know. Orpah's gone. And now Naomi, uh, Ruth is still clinging to Naomi and weeping. Yeah. And Naomi said, it's really okay, Ruth. And there was no judgment for Orpah, by the way. Yeah. There's no judgment. Yeah. It made sense for her to go back to her family. Yeah. It was totally fine. And Naomi says, Ruth, you should go too. Your sister-in-law has left. You should go too. You should go back to your, your family. Go back to your mom. Go back to your dad. Go back to your gods. And Ruth says, I know I don't have any reasons. I know I don't have any obligations. I know I don't have any benefits with you. But I'm still choosing that wherever you go, I I will go. Covenant began at this place. Because the first thing we understand about covenant is that it is relationship without reason. It is commitment without benefits. All of my benefits of walking with you are gone, but I'm still walking with you. Why? Because this is the foundation of covenant. Matter of fact, you can't even enter into covenant until the benefits are stripped away and you have to make the decision, I'm still with you. Jesus brought his disciples to that place in John chapter 6. He did so by talking nonsense. If you want to come with me, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the whole multitude left, and he looked at the 12 and says, y'all leaving too? And they said, we don't have a reason to stay. Because actually, cannibalism doesn't sound very appealing to us. But where will we go? Our reasons are gone, but for some reason, there's something on the inside of us that says, this is where God would have us to be. You see, all you need is discernment to know where God would have you to be. Strip away the reasons. See, this is the problem. This is the problem even with most Christians in the world today. Is that we say, I follow God. No, you don't. You follow reasons. You're where you are because of the benefits, because of the reasons. You're at your job because of the salary, and if they don't give you the salary you need, you look for another job. You're at your church because of the children's ministry, because of the CGs. And if you have a CG and you don't like the community group leader, you go find another church. And that's the beautiful thing about what this pandemic has done. It stripped away all of the reasons. It brought us to our Ruth moment. Our Ruth moment is right now. The reasons are gone. Your sons are dead, but I'm still with you. Your husband is dead, but I'm still with you. The business is gone, but I'm still with you. The money is gone, but I'm still with you. There's no children's ministry, but I'm still with you. There's no community groups, but I'm still with you. There's no building, there's no property. We don't even have a city right now. Where are we? We've been the international church of YouTube for a year. Where's your church located? Uh, YouTube.com. The only point of discernment is where does God want you to be? And that's the thing that we've lost is the ability to discern. This is where God would have me to be. And once you discern where God would have you to be, don't flee the famine. 
How many marriages end because the love dried up and you fled the famine? The affection dried up and you decided to flee the famine. I better get out of here. There's no more provision in here. I better get out of here. There's no more affection here. I better get out of here. There's no more love. How many times have I heard? It was a loveless marriage. It was a loveless. And so you fled the famine. And guess what? You're going to find the plague. Because if you can't stick it out until the love returns, until the famine is over, you're not going to find peace in the next place either, are you? Don't flee the famine. The famine. Yeah. Naomi yeah. was trying to persuade Ruth. Go ahead and flee. Yeah. This, is, this is what we do. This is what me and my husband did. When there was no more food in Bethlehem, we bounced. Why would I expect you to stay when there's no more husband? She says, no, 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 no. Wow. Where you go, that's where I'm going. Yeah. I don't even know where you're going. All I know is I'm going with you. And when you get there, I don't know where you're staying, but where you lodge, that's where I'm going to lodge. And if you ain't got a room for me, I'll sleep on the couch. And if you ain't got a couch, I'll sleep on the floor. I don't need any promises about the provision when we get there. All I know is God told me to go where you go, so I'm going where you go. Your people will be my people. But it went deeper than that. It's not just relationship without a reason. It's commitment without understanding. I don't know anything about your God yet, but he'll be my God. Wow. I'm willing to leave behind all of my gods. Wow. Which bags do I need to unpack? Let's just stop by a garbage bin so I can throw some gods away. Your God will be my God. Yeah. Your theology will be my theology. Your mission will be my mission. Your vision will be my vision. Yeah. Your statement of faith will be my statement of faith. That's covenant. Wow. Not, well, I'll just eat the fish. And spit out the bones. I'll walk with you and glean what I can glean. Run it through the grid of my own thoughts. But I got to think for myself. That's what this culture is all about, right? Think for yourself. Don't be a sheep. Think for yourself. And most of the time, the people who say that are the biggest sheep that you've ever met. Think for yourself. And then they spit out some ideology that they've been fed. Think for yourself. Even, the, even, the, even the, the cliche, think for yourself, is something they heard somebody else say. Because we got this whole myth of individualism. Think for yourself. Think for yourself. You know what, you know what Ruth said? She said, I'm not thinking for myself. Your God is going to be my God. You know what she was literally saying? I see something in you that you don't see in yourself. I want that God. Wow. I, want the, I want to know the God that you know. I want to walk with the God that you walk with. Wow. I'll figure it out later. I don't need to know every... We are living in a day and age that everybody... Well, I need to understand it more. I need more... Understand. No, you don't. You need commitment. Wow. You need to discern where God would have you to be. Yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine and he was saying... Man, I'm having trouble finding a church. Every church I go to, I don't quite feel comfortable, and I'm looking for a place where I feel comfortable. I said, F your comfort. (laughs) Discern the place God would have you to be and commit yourself fully to that place. That's the only... the Comfort? Please. Comfort? That's that's your core value? Comfort? I mean, in the history of the world... Just find me one person who accomplished anything great with comfort as their core value. 
our way. One movement. Nothing great comes of your life when comfort is your core value. Not comfort, commitment. I said, find a church, find the church that God would have you to be at and then give it your sword. You remember the fellowship of the ring? You'll have my sword. You'll have my axe. You'll have my spear. I'll protect you with my life. You you know what they're saying? Where you go, I go. Your people are my people and your God is my God. Where you die, I'll die. That's where I'll be buried. Nothing but death will separate you and me. That's covenant. When we get there, I'll see how the lodgings are. (laughs) Not sure what you're going to require me to do. I just don't do dishes or windows, as long as you understand that. Not quite. I'm not really into serving. Somebody told me, I left that church because they stopped doing my worship. They weren't doing my worship anymore. It's like, your worship? Yeah, you know, they used to do my worship, the kind of worship that I liked, but they stopped doing my worship. So I had to go find another church where they were doing my worship. I'm like, do you hear the overt idolatry? And you are literally saying that you are looking for a church that worships you. Because if it's your worship, that the definition, do you hear what you're saying? That's my preacher. I've got to go to that church because that's my preacher. Take that word my and just flush it down the toilet. If you're at a church because of my, if you are anywhere in life because of my, you're in the wrong place. You probably are there because you fled the famine. And if you flee the famine, you're going to find the plague. Ruth says, no, 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 no. Fleeing the famine is what got you guys here in Moab. I'm not going to flee the famine. Wow. But if you go back to Bethlehem with me, there's a famine. Well, then you and I are going to stick it out through the famine. Wow. You and I are going to walk it out. Wow. That's covenant. Wow. We'll get there, and if there's nothing, we're going to have nothing together. Wow. Sonny and I, we talked about that when we, when, we, when we got engaged. We had this conversation, and the conversation went something like this. My core value is I will not get a divorce. I need to make sure you have that same commitment before we agree to seal this deal. Because if in your mind, divorce is a potential way out, eventually we're going to take that. So we need to share that core value, that common core value. And the covenant that we made with one another is if we have an unhappy marriage, it's going to be a lifelong unhappy marriage. (laughs) If we're miserable, we're going to figure out how to survive being miserable together for the rest of our lives. But where you go, I will go. I will not leave you. Yeah. That's covenant. Yeah. And, what, and here's the beautiful thing. Once you make covenant, yeah. now you better be about the business of figuring it out. Because yeah. guess what? We got married, and we were miserable. <laughs> Weren't we? Yeah. It was hell. Yeah. But you know what we did? We went to seminars, therapists, counselors, pastors, workshops, we read books, we went to conferences, we consulted with friends, we did everything we knew, everything we possibly could do to figure out why, because this thing's going to be lifelong, so we better figure it out. Covenant creates a demand to figure it out. 
and I'm going to work to figure it out. Without covenant, try something else. (laughs) If at first you don't succeed, try, try again has been replaced with, if at first you don't succeed, try something else. Flee the famine and find the plague. Naomi said, all right, let's go. If that's your decision, I can't dissuade you. Let's go. They packed up. They went to Bethlehem, and the family was so excited. The cousins came out. The aunties came out. The uncles came out. The grandmas came out. The grandpas came out. The grandchildren came out. The the people who, family members who had never even met Naomi. Hadn't seen her in years. Lord, is that Naomi? <laughs> nobody told me. <laughs> Ain't nobody called me. Y'all don't submit. A lot of you don't understand that. Some the black folks in here, you get it. But that, um, how do I translate that? <laughs> we haven't seen her in quite some time. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, let me stop this right now. Okay, that's offensive. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> and they rejoiced. Yeah. And they said, Naomi is here. And she said, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me pleasant. Call me Mara. Call me bitter. The Lord has dealt bitterly with me. The Lord has testified against me. The Almighty is against me. Her theology was so wrecked at that point. She was so burnt out and toasted by the trials that she walked through in life that Ruth actually would have been completely in the right to walk away from her. Yeah. Yeah. You understand that Ruth decided to follow a bitter woman wow. who had lost her theology. Wow. But what she could not ever lose was her heritage. Wow, yes. She lost her theology, but she still came back to her people. You see, sometimes the saving grace is the community. That even though I might have lost my faith for a moment, I haven't lost my fellowship. I haven't disconnected myself. That sometimes you need to bring your bitter self back to the people, back to the community, back to your community group, back to your friends. And sometimes you just need to say, let me just be honest about where I am. Because if I stay connected to the people, even if I lose my faith, if I keep my fellowship, I keep my heritage. She came back home to the lineage. And the lineage embraced her in the midst of her bitterness, in the midst of her unbelief, in the midst of her disillusionment. One of the things I desire for this house is that we would be a community in which it is not off limits to communicate your disillusionment and your despair. A place where you don't have to come in and say, how are you doing? Blessed and highly favored. That that does not have to always be the answer. Sometimes you need to say, listen, I'm falling apart. I am one hymn left from my whole garment falling apart. I've almost lost it. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm barely hanging on. Somebody better come rescue me because I've lost it. And a a non-judgmental community that could embrace one another in that moment. 
and say, look, you don't have to have it all together. You don't even have to believe everything right now. Just hang with us. Just remember that we're your family. Just remember that you've got folks who are here for you, folks who will go to bat for you when you can't go to bat for yourself, folks who will pray for you when you can't pray for yourself, folks who will fast for you when you can't fast for yourself, folks who will hold you up when you can't hold yourself up. Come back home to the lineage. Naomi, we know that you feel like you're bitter, but we still know you as Naomi. You may know your life as Mara right now, but we still know you as Naomi. That's okay. You bring your bitter self over here and come give auntie a hug. Come give grandma a kiss. Come give your uncle a hug. Let your uncle put his arm around. Just bring your, I know you're bitter, but you're still my family. You're still my cousin. You're still my niece. You're still my family. And what Ruth finds, and we don't have time to get into the details, but what Ruth discovers is that covenant is not just relationship without reason. It's not just commitment beyond understanding. But there are also benefits. Benefits that are born of being a part of a lineage that she could not have ever even imagined. The fruit of Ruth's decision to walk in covenant with Naomi, even though she had no reason to, brought her into the lineage of David. Brought her into the... Now all of a sudden, this young lady who was a Moabitess who actually had no history. Hers were not the patriarchs or the prophets or the law. She was not a part of the covenant people that came out of Egypt or crossed through the Red Sea, but she simply made a covenant. She made a choice. I wasn't born here, but I commit here. I wasn't here when this church was founded in 2004. I might have just shown up in 2021, but I commit here. And all of a sudden, you become a part of a lineage that goes all the way back and goes all the way forward. And one day Ruth wakes up and she says to her mother-in-law, she says, you know, we don't have any food in this house, but I had an idea. You see, I, I heard that there's a law in Israel that rich people who have fields, they have to harvest in a circle. And they have to leave the corners of the field for people who ain't got nothing to eat. I saw this field over here. Why don't you let me go over there tomorrow morning and glean some wheat from the corners of the field so that we can have something to eat in the house. And Naomi said, that's a great idea. Whose field is that? And she said, the guy who owns that field, I heard his name is Boaz. And Naomi said, wait a minute. Wait a second. Boaz is my husband's nearest of kin, which makes him the kinsman redeemer. What that means is that he actually has an obligation that he don't know about. We're going to present it to him as an opportunity. He actually has an opportunity slash obligation to become your husband and provide for you. You didn't realize that coming into this covenant opened up opportunities for you that you would have never had for yourself. Ladies, can I say this? This whole thing about Boaz is not about finding a husband. Because that's all single ladies here when we talk about, I'm looking for my Boaz. I'm tired of hanging out with broke ass and and, uh, 
<laughs> Let me stop right there, Lord Jesus. Second time, third time, I have to ask for forgiveness in the middle of this sermon. Do you know what Boaz means? It's literally, it means strength is in him. Yeah. Strength is in him. Yeah. In 1 Kings 7.21, one, one of the pillars in the portico of the temple was named Boaz. The pillar was a symbol of strength. When they came near that pillar, they said, here's Boaz. This pillar that holds up the house of God. Strength is in him. She found strength because she came into the covenant. She found strength in a time of weakness because she came to the lineage. When she came into the covenant, there was strength in the covenant that she could not find outside of the covenant. That is, had she fled the famine, she never would have found strength. What do we tend to do in our weakest moments is isolate. Yeah. Haven't seen you for a while. Yeah, I was going through a tough time. Yeah. So you just fled the famine and went back to Moab. Yeah. And what did you find there? Did you get better? Well, no, it kind of got worse. Yeah. You think? In their time of famine, Ruth and Naomi came back to the lineage. Wow, yeah. And because they came back to the lineage yeah. with their brokenness and everything, yeah. they found strength. Wow. Boaz is waiting for you in the house of God. Wow. Not a husband. Woo! Strength. Because yeah. some of y'all think you need a husband. <laughs> and what you actually need is strength. Wow. That's why you want a husband because you feel weak and you're looking for someone to be your strength and you forgot that your maker is your husband the Lord of hosts is his name and your redeemer is the holy one of Israel and that God has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit like a youthful wife when you were despised says the Lord your maker is your Boaz your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Your Maker is your Boaz. He is your strength. And there's a strength that only God can provide, but He provides it in the house of God, in the community. You know what's really hard? Planting a church. You know why planting a church is hard? Because when a church is first planted, the only covenant members of the community are the pastor and his family. When we started the church, I remember looking at Sunny one day and saying, you know what just dawned on me? It was a Saturday. She said, what's that? I said, the only people that we can be absolutely sure will be at church tomorrow is you and me. Everyone else can leave for any reason. And you know what was crazy was, you know, by the way, if you have it in your heart to come tell me that you're a lifer and that you're going to be here for life, please don't tell me that. Just keep it to yourself. You know why? Because probably high 90% over the last 17 years of people who have told me that never came back again. Like literally, they, they tend to tell you that on their last day. I will never leave you. I am a lifer. I will be here for life. See you later. Peace. <laughs> And Moon walked up out of there. <laughs> right? 
I don't know why that is. I mean, I have some psychological ideas or understanding. But you know what started to happen? We started to look into people's eyes and see covenant. Yeah. Yep. Like the Venables. Yep. When they should have left, they didn't leave. (laughs) (laughs) There were seasons where we hurt them so bad. Or I thought, yeah, they're probably going to, you know. Because, you know, I mean... There's a hundred churches that would offer Chinway a job as their worship pastor yeah. and pay her handsomely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they showed up the next Sunday. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Look in their eyes. Yeah, we're hurt, but we're in covenant. Wow. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong to leave. Yeah. You discern where God would have you to be, and when that's somewhere else, you need to go there somewhere else. But you also need to discern when God is saying, stay. We never judge anyone who leaves. We just assume if you leave, God is telling you to leave. And we bless you. It's not for us to discern that for you. It's not for us to tell you God's telling you to leave. How would you like that? I just, the Lord just told me you're supposed to leave this church. You would feel so rejected. We kind of tried that with Daniel. You remember that? Another, another church, believe it or not, another church called us and asked for Daniel. Yeah. Like, we would like to hire him. And we were like, you know, Daniel, this might be a good opportunity. This was years ago. We were like, this might be a good opportunity for you. He's like, have you lost your mind? I'm like, but they're going to pay you like double what we're paying you. He said, have you lost your mind? Did I ever ask for that? <laughs> this is where God has put me. And you know what? Had God told him to be Orpah and go, we would have completely, it would have been no, it's not, there's no, you understand what I'm saying. It's not about that. This is a season, not just in our church, in the body of Christ, in which everyone must make a decision, afresh and anew. Where is God calling you to be? Don't flee the famine. Don't Flee the famine. Don't flee the famine. And what's crazy to me is that over the past year, and more and more, I started to look into eyes of individuals and see covenant. No reason for me to be here anymore. I used to love the worship. Now it's canned, pre-recorded. It's just a video. I could watch that on YouTube later, but I'm still here. Yeah. Why? Covenant. That's it. Your God is my God. Your vision is my vision. Your values are my values. Yeah. Your yeah. statement of faith is my statement of faith. Yeah. Your philosophy of ministry is my philosophy of ministry. That's what does this church value? God truly among us. That's my vision too. Yeah. 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 Becoming more fully who we are as we discover more fully who he is. That's our new mission statement. That's my mission statement, too. Yeah. I, that, you know what? I'm going to give my life to that, becoming more fully who I am as I discover more fully who he is. That's it. Yes. Your God is my God. Yeah. Your people are my people. Yeah. Your land is my land. Yeah. All Ruth was trying to say is, Naomi, I'm with you. Yeah. And God saw the heart of Ruth and saying, Naomi, I'm with you. God said, Ruth, you're with me. 
Now I'm bringing you into the covenant. Now I'm giving you a husband named Boaz. And now through you guys, through your line is coming David, is coming Jesus. Everything I do from here on out, you're a part of the story. Why? You discerned where I had you to be. And you made covenant there. You discerned, this is the place God is calling me. And you took a stand there. And you refused to leave in the midst of famine. Your God is my God. Don't flee the famine. This message has so much application for so many of you. Some of you are in a marriage, and I just felt that so strongly this morning that God is speaking to some of you about your marriage because you're so tempted to flee the famine. Don't flee the famine. For some of you, it's your job. Don't. I know they don't treat you right, but don't flee the famine. Listen, I'm not, that's not for everybody because some of y'all, God's calling you to leave your job. That's the crazy part of it. Abraham went to Egypt, and God said, get get back up there. You get to Genesis 26, and Isaac is in the midst of a famine, and he's getting ready to go to Egypt, and God speaks to him and says, no, don't go to Egypt. Stay here and plant. And he sows and reaps a hundredfold in the midst of famine. God says, this is what I do for people who stay stay put in the midst of famine. You sow. That's what the people of God do. They sow in famine, and they reap a hundredfold. But then comes Jacob. And Joseph, and what does God do? He sends him to Egypt ahead of the famine. And then he brings all of the people of Israel to Egypt ahead of the famine. Sometimes God does send you to Egypt temporarily. The problem is when you stay too long, the place of provision becomes the place of slavery. And they became enslaved in the place of their provision. At some point, they should have picked up and went back to the promised land. The famine is over. God did lead them there, but it was only a season. Don't flee the famine. God has Boaz strength for you that he will release into your life in response to your decision. God, I'm not fleeing the famine. I'm weak, but I'm not fleeing the famine. I'm hungry, but I'm not going to flee the famine. I'm hurting, but I'm not going to flee the famine. So much tragedy, so much Sin, so much destruction happens simply from fleeing the famine. You're trying to flee the famine of your anxiety and you flee right into the arms of pornography. Wow. You're fleeing the famine. God says, don't flee the famine. Stay there in the midst of it. Yeah. You're trying to flee your, your depression and you're fleeing right into the arms of self-medication. Wow. Don't flee the famine. How much surfing, Netflix, YouTube are simply an, an act of trying to flee the famine, trying to get away from some famine. And God says, no, 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 right there in the midst of it. I was writing in my journal yesterday morning. The Lord spoke to me and said, Benjamin, all day long yesterday, you were trying to flee the famine. You were trying to get away from anxiety. You were trying to escape your anxiety. And because of that, you only were able to come partially into my presence because you kept leaving at the door the part of you that was anxious. God says, I'm not ashamed of your anxiety. I'm not ashamed or dismayed by your anxious heart. Bring it with you into my presence. When you come into my presence, bring all of you, the anxious parts and everything. Stop trying to run. Stop trying not to be anxious. That's the word God gave me. Stop trying not to be anxious. Just bring your anxious self to me. That's some of you, you feel like that. Stop trying not to be bitter. Just bring your bitter self to me. Stop trying not to be Mara. 
Just bring your Mara self to me. Stop trying not to be angry. Just bring your angry self to me. That's the beauty of the Psalms. You read the whole Psalms, the whole gamut of human emotion is up in there. David never tried to stop being whatever he was. If he was pissed, he brought his pissed off self into the presence of God and said, God, I'm pissed. I mean, if we were to literally translate some of those songs, God, I'm pissed off right now, but I'm here with you. God, I'm so angry right now, but I'm here with you. God, I'm so anxious right now, but I'm here with you. When my heart is overwhelmed, bring me to the rock that is higher than I. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I'm here with you, God. I'm here with you, God. I'll go where you go. Where you lead me, I will follow. I'll speak what you say. Your people are my people. Only death will separate you from me. And when we come to that place where we make that commitment, the word of the Lord comes to us and says, nothing can separate us, not even death, from the love of Jesus Christ. Father, today I pray that you would touch the hearts of your people and allow this word to sink down into the innermost parts like seed sown in good soil and let it break off every lie of the enemy and let it bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. Give your people the courage today to stand that we would not flee the famine because if we flee the famine we'll find the plague I speak blessing and encouragement in Jesus name worship team just lead us in a song